Shout, yes! I feel like breaking stuff tonight. Shikaraba. Power of God is here, and we're so happy, Hannah, that you are here. We love you, we miss you, and it's amazing to have you here as well, Pastor Lee. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you want to in intro the Q&A? Oh, no, that's a surprise. We want to start off the topic for tonight is holy matrimony. Well, we were really excited when we had the opportunity um, to preach tonight. We actually had been talking, I think a few weeks before that, about why couples don't preach more together. So we were really excited to have an opportunity to do this together. Um, when we started praying about what we wanted to touch on, we felt like marriage was in our hearts and it's something that God is on. And one of the main reasons is, most of you know, I'm a teacher. Uh, Terrence is a police officer and we have just countlessly seen so many stories this year of how marriage is being under attack. We've seen that time and time again, and we felt like not only is it a core value that is being distorted, but it is also something that needs to be addressed in the church. One of my off-duty overtime jobs as a police officer, security at a restaurant, what was appalling to me, the entertainment which, how many of you guys have ever been to a restaurant with entertainment before? Show of hands. Whether it's a live band, mariachi, you know, it's a Mexican restaurant. The entertainment has shifted to, they hire transvestites to come up there and do comedy. And they come out dressing in nudie booty outfits, wearing hardly anything, and they're, they're using gender confusion in the midst of a room full of families with little kids, like infants, teenagers, adults, grandmas, everybody, and they're, they're actually perverting what we understand marriage to be. And then they bring up more transvestites, they bring up more, and so they're trying to overtake marriage and the concept of holy matrimony. So tonight we're coming in to talk about a no-toleration-of-sin covenant before God, holy matrimony, and that's what we're here to share with you guys today, uh, what our journey is, what we've learned in the past two years, <laughs> and why, uh, why are we up here talking? You've asked me why. I'm like, I hope you know why. No, I know you do. <laughs> um, well, I know for me, Terrence was touching on just the horrors of seeing that and seeing, um, you know, infants and children in the room. Myself being a teacher, I've had multiple conversations with this year with my students and other students in the school asking, why am I here? I've had multiple conversations with students saying, Ms. Hicks, um, I don't think my parents thought before they had me. You know, they just had me and they don't really love me. I see they don't love each other. I see they don't live with each other. I see that they don't care about me. 
And it's just heartbreaking to see a child come up to you and say that. And I mean, what do you say to that? You know, what do you say to a child when they, when they say that, when they express that, and when you see that despair in their eyes? So Terrence mentioned just now, um, sharing a little bit about what this journey has looked like for us. Um, I know for me, one of the biggest revelations I had praying through this message was when I said yes to Terrence, it wasn't necessarily on our wedding day when I was looking at him and I said, I do. For me, it was actually when I said yes to Christ. So I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven years old. I was by myself in my bedroom. And when I said yes to Jesus, I said yes to the destiny that Jesus had for me. And I said yes to the person who I wanted Jesus to transform me into. So even though I didn't meet Terrence until many, many years, (laughs) didn't meet Terrence when I was seven years old. I met him actually when I was 25 years old. Uh, But over the years, there was many opportunities where I felt felt like, okay, what do I want to say yes to? What choices do I want to make that's going to turn me into the mother that I want to one day be? What do I need to say yes to today that's going to transform me into the wife that I want to be for Terrence one day? So I feel like our journey started way before I met him, but it was so sweet because when I did and when we began that dating process, it was really a continuation of how I was already saying yes to Jesus and following Christ, and it just looked like doing it with my best friend who was Terrence. (laughs) now megan prepared perfectly intentionally amazingly and what were two of the key things that you did to prepare for marriage question and answer for my husband okay well um i'm taking notes by the way oh yeah he said he was going to do that today i was like okay um so the crazy thing was was uh when i gave my life to jesus seven years old, I also received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So over the years, the decisions I made, the choices, the thoughts I had, I don't credit to myself, right? What seven-year-old, what eight-year-old is going to make a choice like that? It was the Holy Spirit in me that was guiding me. And one of those things that happened was actually when I was in the sixth grade. So when you're sixth grade, um, you're 11, 12 years old. I was 11 at the time, which when you say 11, I mean, that's incredibly young. But at the time, I didn't feel like it. And I saw a lot of my friends starting to date. I saw um, kids, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds starting to pair off, you know, they start having feelings. And I remember seeing that and I felt like that was so silly. As an 11-year-old, I remember thinking, what is going on? Like, why are my friends suddenly talking to those boys? They were just saying how much they disliked them last week. Now they want to be best friends with them. Now they want to sit with them. And it kind of felt silly to me because it was almost like a charade. Like when you see kids um, doing things like that, it's just... They're mimicking. They're mimicking what they've seen their siblings do, parents do, things on TV. So I remember seeing my friends do this, and I remember asking God, what's going on? Why are they doing this? What's going on? And he told me two truths. He said that it's important for the man to pursue the woman. So when he spoke that truth to me, I knew even at age 11 that I didn't need to chase anyone down. I didn't need to go out and find a guy. I didn't need to put myself out there. All I really had to do was wait. And he also told me that dating is either going to lead to marriage or breaking up. And when he said that, I thought, well, I don't want to put myself into something that's just going to be a waste. That's never been part of my attitude. That's never been part of my personality. So I said, okay, if I date this person and I just end up breaking them up with them, I just date them to date them, it's not going to be worth anything. So I need to wait until I'm ready for marriage. So I didn't really start thinking about marriage um, or start opening myself up to that idea or concept really until end of high school, early college for me. And even then, um, I didn't really find anyone. I didn't want to settle at 
at that point because I'd gotten used to the idea of being kind of by myself, being in this position of waiting. Um, I say that it wasn't easy. I went to a very large public school. So yes, I went to prom by myself, went with a group of friends, but didn't have a date. Uh, went to homecoming with a group of girls, still had a lot of fun, still had a lot of memories. People asked me, why do you keep going by yourself? Why don't you go with this person? Why don't you do this? And I just didn't want to at that point. I just been following Jesus for so long. I just had it in my heart that I wanted to be with Terrence and knowing who he is, I'm so thankful I never did settle. I'm like, there's nobody in my eyes that could match up or compare to him. So I didn't want to just go with someone so I'd have a date or go with someone because I thought that that might be something I might want to do. I wanted to wait for Terrence. <laughs> yes, that is the model road that everyone <laughs> wishes they would have done. But there are those in here who still can do that. I know Hannah's on that road. Kennedy, we've got a few youngins in the crowd <laughs> who are interested in getting married one day when the time is right, correct? Yes. Uh, my journey, on the other hand, um, I grew up in a household that was full of violence, family violence, um, dad trying to murder my mom, dad uh, trying to drown me when I was about eight years old and bipolarism, divorce, lots of brokenness, heartbreak, broken trust. And throughout my journey, I went on dates, got into relationships. And throughout that journey, I actually received a word from the Lord. I think it was in 2009. But God said in this prophetic word that he had a specific wife for me that was handcrafted and specifically designed and that he was very particular about who she was. And he, and the word also said that I would date people, but it would never work out. So I kind of had that in my mind of like, I'm looking for this, this person that God has designed for me. And while I'm on that journey, Megan is also receiving two things about two ways to prepare for life, married life. Yes, Terrence likes these two things very much, and he likes when I mention them because they honor him, and they're very much important to him, as they are to me. They're core values that we have. Um, in the process of me waiting for Terrence, I got bored, right? I mean, you're just waiting and you're like, is it going to be tomorrow? Is it going to be in 10 years? Like, what am I doing? Is this the right choice? And I remember being a freshman, sophomore in college. And I said, Lord, okay, I'm still in this season of waiting. You know, there's, my husband's not here yet. So how can I best prepare myself for my husband? I said, what are some things you can tell me about him that I can work on that are going to honor him best in the future? And the Lord very clearly spoke to me. He said, your husband loves to eat. So something that you can do is you can start cooking in large amounts. Hmm, does this describe Terrence? Mm-hmm. Fun fact, I do not cook for two, nor do I cook for four. When I make recipes, I look for recipes that serve at least a family of six. If I do not make a recipe that serves at least a family of six, I will not be eating that evening. Terrence will eat all of it. So I quickly... Hungry man. <laughs> 
I quickly took that to heart. Um, I actually started cooking for the entire block on my street. So Friday nights, I would have friends come over and say, hey, throw in a few dollars if you can. I would go to the grocery store Thursday evening, and I would cook for about 30 to 40 people. I mean, college, free food. So I'd have tons of people show up. I got an opportunity for several years to work on making big recipes and large amounts. And so day one, Terrence was blessed. Um, another thing that the Lord told me was working out. He said, and it was so funny because I heard these things, I mean, this was like eight years before I met Terrence, and they didn't quite click. And it was a little weird when I met Terrence because it was like everything was clicking. I was like, okay, I'm trying not to think about this, but oh my goodness. So the Lord told me working out was really important to him, and that was something that I tried to do, but I actually ended up joining a gym. Um, I worked there for about two years. It was the one on campus at Baylor, and I just learned a lot of the different, you know, vocab, just how to actually apply it to myself. At the time, I was just running. Um, I started, you know, lifting weights, doing different things like that, which really helped because I didn't realize until we were married, or actually I think it was when we were dating, uh, that Terrence really wanted a workout buddy, and he wanted his wife to be his workout buddy. So that's what happened. Yes. <laughs> yes, it, it has been quite hilarious. I think uh, one of the first lessons I learned in marriage was that there is a certain time of the month, a period of the month, where a woman's body has more challenges than at other times of the month. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, the, the first week of marriage, and we're like getting ready for bed, and I think I remember you said, hey, I'm feeling a little <coughs> um, weak or tired or like I haven't exercised or something like that. I was like, all right, let's fix that right now. I got to work out crazy legs. Let's go. And so I literally have her in there doing squat jumps. It's like 11 p.m. And she's like really grimacing, like she's in pain and she's like, it hurts. And I'm like, feel that burn. You know, I'm just like completely just mowing through this and having no regard for what she's enduring. But because of her love for me, she made it through the whole workout, completed a workout that, that makes a grown man cry, that makes other grown men cry. And, and then I learned some lessons. It was on tile floor too, like in the front of our house. I was like, why am I doing this? It's like an hour past my bedtime. Yes. Um, so leading up to that, we're kind of jumping into marriage a little bit, but we actually wanted to bring these to you guys and show them um, while talking a little bit about our dating process. So while we were dating, we, I say we, Terrence actually had a really great idea of making these vision posters. So I told him that's the one he made. Um, that I am really motivated by vision. So Terrence is really motivated by the mission. I'm really motivated by vision. So if you've ever heard like a vision board before, um, it's just kind of like a visual. So you can see this on a regular basis. You can kind of have an idea of what the goal is, where you're working. So these were the vision boards we made for each other, which was really fun when we made it because Terrence didn't realize that you could put stickers on a poster. He didn't realize you could put stickers, you could put tassels, um, you could put confetti, he was really confused by that. He didn't also didn't realize you could use more than one colored marker. He just kind of <laughs> thought that, you know, you put this together. So it was a really fun time of arts and crafts. Uh, but you can see the scripture that we chose is actually out of 2 Corinthians 10. Um, it's the last part of verse 6. 
Uh, mine is around the heart for him. His was written out. It says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So that is the scripture that we held on to during our dating process. Um, the vision that the Lord gave us was don't settle, graduate, and then begin power ministry. So we knew that when we were dating, we were headed towards marriage. Uh, we knew that we wanted to say yes to each other and say yes to God through the dating process. And we knew that we wanted to graduate the dating process so that we could get married, but also that we could begin power ministry together. Yes. So when we made this poster, these posters, we were on track writing down scripture, talking about being obedient to God, not compromising, not falling into any type of sexual temptations or sins, knowing that we were waiting, both of us, praise God, both of us virgins, never had sex before, and on that journey to holy matrimony, making covenant before God, we make these, and we're literally praying over them whenever I get overtaken by a violent urge to play poke and tickle with her body parts, which should not be done during that season of life. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm feeling poke and tickle urges. We need to call Pastor Bruce and Pastor Lee ASAP. <laughs> so we take a journey over to their house. You know, it's like, hey, I'm here to repent. And um, then we realized when you're doing something powerful, there is going to be resistance. So right there, we're doing something. It's like, it's like oh, man, this is like a dating under marriage contract with scripture, vision, like what our destiny is about. And anyone in here that wants to fulfill destiny has probably encountered resistance to you fulfilling your destiny in Christ. Has anyone ever encountered that resistance when you're on the path? Well, on that path, Kennedy has, we're on that path, and then we realize we need to call in the QRF. We need the quick reaction force, the reinforcements, and we're so thankful that Pastor Bruce and Pastor Lee walked us through that, were there for us. Yeah. They stood there as witnesses and lit literally consecrated these posters unto the Lord prayed over us, and then there was no poke and tickle that happened prematurely. Praise God. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank so you. that was... Why is that important? Why? So it's kind of interesting that the scriptures are really true. So like in the scriptures, it says in Hebrews, the marriage bed is undefiled. So that means anything unholy is not, does not belong there. It's kind of like, think about, do y'all think there's going to be people in heaven doing drugs or engaging in debauchery and filth revelries? Any, can anyone, has anyone ever imagined that like in your head? No. Same thing with the marriage bed. The marriage bed is designed as holy, undefiled unto the Lord. So... <clears throat> It, it, nothing unholy is allowed there. So that's why you don't give yourself to any sort of wickedness or any sort of sin. You, um, and even if you try to go to the marriage bed, but you have wickedness or sin in you, it will just pop up. It, it's like it just automatically comes up and it turns into a ministry session and you're, you're not going there until you deal with this. 
That's, that's just like the way that God set up the laws of marriage and his decrees and his ways, those are established. The word of God is established forever. It's settled in heaven. And, you're, and we see that play out in marriage. And do you want to talk about one of your first lessons that you learned in marriage? Yeah. So, okay, fast forward. We're married. Um, lots of lessons to be learned, right? And for me, it was so sweet because I felt like it wasn't, oh my gosh, now I'm with Terrence. I was like, why does this feel so natural? Like, I have a guy that I'm living with, but it feels natural. I'm, you know, living with him, I'm married to him, and this feels awesome because we're doing it right, which is just, thank you, Lord, for your peace and for your confirmation. And so one of the first lessons that I learned, though, out of that was what it's like to be led by Terrence, which I definitely felt like that was something I'd realized over the years praying for him. I consistently prayed for him over the years, and I was always left in almost I don't want to say laughter, uh, but I was like, who is this guy? Like, how is he so strong, but he also feels so tender? How is he so funny, but he's also somewhat the scariest person in the room? And then I meet Terrence, and I'm like, yes, this is him. Like, this is totally him. So I felt like I'd been being led in a sense over the years as I was praying for him, as I got to know him. But what I quickly realized once I was married and as we were doing this on a daily basis is sometimes I don't quite understand what's going through Terrence's mind. And Terrence likes to move quick. He likes to move fast. So there was a lot of times, um, and even till today, but especially when we first got married, that I was like, where are we going with this? Like, why is he doing this? And I wanted to sit and talk about this and process. And I realized very quickly that it was more important for me to just be led by him rather than understand what's going on. That as I just, and that's part of submitting to him, right? As I'm submitting to him, I don't fully understand what's happening. I don't fully have an idea of where we're headed, but I'm being led by him. And it's not only allowing me to understand him better, but I'm really getting to honor him by submitting. And I think one of the best ways that kind of, or a good example I can give of that was our first Christmas together. Um, I come from, I'll say, a pretty traditional family. So if you think of a traditional Hispanic Christmas, that's what I had every single year from age zero all the way up until age 27. I would always have Christmas at the same house with the same people, with the same food, doing the same thing. And that was Christmas to me. And Christmas is also Terrence's favorite holiday and very important to him as well. So whenever we were celebrating our first Christmas together, it was really important for Terrence, for me and him to be with his family on Christmas day. And I was like, okay, is this something I wanna do? Well, of course this is something I wanna do because we're building our our life together. Well, Christmas morning, we're wrapping presents for his family, and I am weeping. I mean, I am just crying. I'm thinking of my family. I'm thinking of how much I miss them, and I feel kind of bad because I'm like, it's not that I don't want to be here, but at the same time, I kind of don't want to be here. I want to be with my family. I'm thinking, why did I make this choice? Why are we doing this? Um, but I quickly realized as well when I started to open up to Terrence and kind of explain that, that he had chosen this because this was a important to him, and this was actually where God wanted us to be. So I saw a lot of breakthrough that Christmas in Terrence, um, also some in his family as well. I saw a lot of healing, got to minister to him during that time, and it was the best step for us. So even though I didn't feel it at the time, even though I didn't quite understand it, that was the best choice for the two of us. And by submitting to Terrence during that Christmas, we actually got to receive what Christ had for us. Mm -hmm. 
which goes with one of the scriptures in our wedding was Ephesians 5.21, emphasized by Pastor Bruce, that we, as, you know, in covenant, are required now to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I quickly realized that I'm also a lot different than Megan is. So once it gets to you know, late at night, the sun goes down, she's been working all day, she's ready to go to sleep. She's ready to hit the pillow, but I'm ready to have some intense discussions, heated conversations, and just get, get this thing going. Well, I realized that something I, that was better for us was if I just hold what I got maybe hit a prayer walk or something rather than uh, what I did at one point was I was so mad that she wasn't engaging in conversation and I was feeling upset. I was emotionally spun up about something and uh, she was just like, nope, I'm going to bed. So I made the fatal mistake of ripping off the covers and I realized I should never do that again. But it's just, it's just crazy how you learn the differences and where to submit, when to, when to just realize, okay, this is, a, this is a strict line, like, do not cross this one. <laughs> yeah, so that, that changed the atmosphere, and it was, wasn't a good night. Let's just say that. <laughs> it was not a good night. Um, I think also something that really stuck out to me, too, kind of jumping off of what Terrence is talking about, because I also agree with, is that the relationship that we have with one another, there's going to be similarities from other relationships, but also we can't treat each other like anyone else. So I remember Terrence telling me, you're not like any other roommate I've had. And I'm like, well, I hope not. Like, I'm your wife. Like, what? Um, But it was fun kind of sorting through, okay, what is, you know, girl guy thing, like um, externally processing. So a lot of girls like to talk, right? We like to process. We like to talk about things. Terrence is like, what are you talking about? Did you think about what you were saying before you were talking? And I'm like, well, no, I'm just kind of talking, you know? Um, Some things are just personalities, right? Some things are things that I do versus Terrence. So again, getting to know each other and also recognizing that we have a very special relationship, man and wife. Yep. We noticed also that our marriage is under surveillance by unseen forces. So I'll start with a good, a great example, a shining example of me <laughs> where I, I, uh, I felt that I was supposed to wash Megan's feet and proclaim over her, her identity in Christ and her destiny, like her prophetic destiny as who she is in Christ. So I prepare it, and it's also the time when I'm giving her her Christmas present, and as I'm doing this, we just start weeping under the the presence of God. It's just like the most tender but deep experience. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to see that in that moment, like God is watching and the Holy Spirit is moving through you as a married couple. It's like as you make, as we made a choice to do the right thing, it was very evident that we were overcome by, you know, good power. Mm-hmm. 
And then on the other hand, times when I did not do that was I <laughs> ripped off the covers and started speaking, accusing things. Instead of like speaking who she really is, I was actually speaking who she wasn't. And it was accusing phrases from lies from the enemy. That actually, it was almost immediate when I started to do it. She said, I see dark figures that just came into the room. And it was like, oh, snap. I better stop this course of action. And I went and got my uh, prayer drum and got the anointing oil and switched gears. But it is very true. Your marriage is under surveillance and every choice you're making is scrutinized. And it's really important what you're doing in marriage because it, it determines the trajectory and how complete you're able to fulfill your destiny in Christ and your mission that God gives you. Mm -hmm. And I think especially during those times, I mean, any time really, but especially during those times, it's like you feel whatever word you say, whatever action you do, whatever thought you have is going to have an immediate consequence. And so our communication has actually really improved based off of those times, based off of how we responded when it's been hard, based off of those times where we felt, okay, which direction is it going to go? Which kingdom is going to be recognized? You know, kingdom of light or kingdom of dark because there's only two kingdoms. Um, and our communication has been a big point in regards to vocalizing. I'm all, you know, we're both like, okay, this feels tedious at times. This feels... Like, why are we doing this? But it's really for the other person. So we have some, some funny examples of communication. Do you want to grab the case real quick? So um, one example of communication is the other day, Terrence texted me. He was at the base, and he said, hey, they have some boxes of Girl Scout cookies. Would you like some? And I said, you know what? Father's Day is coming up. My dad loves do -si dos so how about you grab two boxes of do -si dos and one box of Samoa? Two boxes of do -si dos one box of Samoas. Terrence walks in at the end of the day with two boxes. We have three of these at our house two boxes of dosi dos and one box of Samoas. And I look at that and I said, Terrence, that's a case. <laughs> Is this a box? <laughs> I what? see north and south head moving. <laughs> this is a box. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is a box. I'm like, it says 12 boxes, 12 count on the case. But it's a box. Communication. Yes. I didn't focus on the words, just the shape. <laughs> <laughs> so, communication. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, oh, this is hilarious. I mean, I, I started laughing. Right. As soon as he walked in the door and he had them, like, over his shoulders, I started laughing. So, I was like, I know exactly what happened. Right? I know exactly what he was thinking. I know exactly what happened. But we also had another recent time where it wasn't as funny. The one hour, 22 minutes? Yes, the one hour and 22 minutes. So I was in the <laughs> middle of working night shift on patrol as a police officer. I come in. Now Megan's off work because it's summertime. summertime. Mm -hmm. So school teachers get off for the summer. 
Ruru. I come. I, it's like I'm fun. I'm halfway functioning. Did my 12-hour shift. Went and did some errands to get the car fixed, uh, just like oil changes and stuff. Went to do a military funeral. Workout. Came back. Looked at the clock. I'm, I'm coming in from doing errands and thinking, man, I got to work in, oh, an hour and 22 minutes. So I'm realizing that the, the sleep deprivation is there, mm -hmm. and I don't have time to do anything, so I'm just focused on the basics, sleep, eat, wake up in an hour and 22, go to work. Mm -hmm. So I walk in, and she's laying on the bed, just seemingly, just I guess. waiting for him. So I just saw him leave, and he said he'd be back. And then he was gone for most of the day. And I'm like, okay, I know he has, you know, military funerals and maybe he's running an errand or two. So I hear him come in. I'm like, yay, Terrence is home. So I'm just on the bed waiting and I say hi and he says hi. <laughs> and then. <laughs> yeah, so she, uh, she was kind of laying the, the wrong way on the bed instead of the normal way. So that was kind of impeding my ability to attain rest, which I was focused on. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to really talk or use any effort because I wanted to rest. So I just like put a pillow on my head and passed, you know, just focused on sleep. But the next thing I heard was she said that she was meditating on the scripture, which is above our bed, mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. That passage is above our bed. And then she said, you're the only one that, that's ever been mad at me. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, she's trying to bait me into an argument right here. That's the rudest thing you could ever do. I'm in the middle of trying to sleep. So I just flat out didn't say anything. I just, like, focused on sleep and, like, tried to, you know, press my ear deeper into the pillow. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, again, communication, right? I just, I didn't realize he only had an hour and 22 minutes to sleep. Um, I thought when he said hi that we were going to talk. I didn't realize he was going to jump in the bed and pull the covers over and turn around. And when he responded like that, I was like, oh, he's really upset at me. Like, he's really, really angry at me, and I don't know what I did. But I instantly felt really bad about myself. I didn't know what to do, so I went out to the living room, waited about 15 minutes. He's still not saying anything. So then I went to go buy groceries and then I called him after I was done because I thought he'd maybe gone into a shift by them. And he's like happy as can be. He's um, laughing and tells me a joke and doing other things. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Like he was really mad at me and now he doesn't want to talk about it. Um, so what ended up happening was we ended up, I said, hey, are you mad at me? And he said, no. And I was so confused and I didn't understand what was happening. And so we just literally had to go back from the very beginning. And once I heard him tell me, hey, actually, I didn't have a lot of time to sleep. Hey, um, this is what was going on. And I was like, oh. And then he told me, hey, I was actually upset when you said that. And I had to backtrack and say, well, this is why I said it. And this is what happened. And then it was resolved. Yes. Yeah. Communication is something that is like the weight room of marriage. You're constantly training, working, new moves, figuring out different ways not to get hit, you know? <laughs> not literally. She's extremely 
gentle and nice. Um, we have we have another story, but I was wondering how we're doing on time and if the video is starting to. Oh, okay, okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, so we had a three-day marriage retreat that happened pretty recently, mm -hmm. and it was quite an interesting experience. First, we started off with... Well, we went to my parents' house, so the marriage retreat was in Brenham. My parents live in Pearland, which is about an hour south of there, so we decided to spend some quality time with them. Uh, really fun, you know, got to show Terrence some more spots I grew up in, you know, favorite places to eat at. One of those places was my favorite barbecue place, which I actually is my standard for barbecue. So if you ever want to know where the best barbecue place in the entire world is, it is in Pearland, Texas, and it is superior to any other barbecue. Um, so I took Terrence there on our way out, and when we got out, we realized that things are really different than when I used to go there as a kid. So COVID was happening, right? So they have this huge shack that is built at the front where you order from rather than going inside and having the buffet. Everyone was really tense and really stressed rather than welcoming you. And it's a really family feel, but it didn't feel like that when we showed up. So I immediately start jumping in with what they're doing. I'm like, okay, you know, they're over, they're understaffed and there's a ton of people. So let's get in, let's get out. Whereas Terrence didn't realize that was happening because I didn't say that. So I didn't realize this was a place where she had childhood birthdays at. I didn't realize this was someplace special or anything like that. I'm just thinking, okay, it looks like we're just doing a grab and go. Grab it, hit the road, go to the marriage retreat. So she walks up, she knows the menu, probably, you know, definitely has it memorized, orders some food, and then looks at me. And while I'm tr still trying to figure out what's on the menu, and she goes, I'm not sharing my sides with you. I was like, excuse me? I'm thinking so to myself. But then it starts to hit harder. I start to take it real serious, like get offended. I'm like, this is the woman that in front of everybody made covenant saying she was going to share her life with me. Now she won't even share her potato salad and her mac and cheese. Oh, we've got marital violations right here. We've got covenant violations right here. I was like getting seriously, seriously upset about this, not sharing the sides. Yes, not sharing the sides, which I was thinking, and again, I, I definitely could have said this better, right? I could have said, the reason, Terrence, why I'm not sharing my sides with you is this is my favorite barbecue place, and I want to eat all of the sides because it's very typical um, when we go out to eat for me to eat half my food and then I give the rest of the food to Terrence because Terrence eats about two people when we go out to eat. So he always eats my food, but I was trying to tell him, you're not eating my food this time. These are my favorite sides. I'm eating all of this so we can order more for you or we can order a bigger size. That's what I'm thinking. Didn't say that. So here we are. Here we are. We get the food to go. We're sitting in the car sweating. Yeah. It's very hot. Opening up the sides, opening up the food. I'm just like, oh, man, this is terrible. We're on our way to the marriage retreat. My wife doesn't want to share her sides, doesn't want to share her life with me. You know, it's like getting progressively more and more intense. Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, man, this is going to be the worst. And something about Terrence and I, too, are we are both very, very sensitive, and we are also both very, very strong-willed, and that is how the Lord has created us, and that is who we are. So there have been many times when we've been, you know, in situations like we're describing to you now, where it's like, man, I'm thinking like, this is the moment where I should submit. You know, this is the moment where I just need to apologize. This is the moment where I just need to, you know, do what, everything I can do to get there. But I want to be heard and I want to be seen and I want to take the longest route possible so that we both feel the satisfaction we feel when we reach the place of resolution. However, for us sometimes that doesn't look like five or 10 minutes. Sometimes that looks like what we're gonna continue to describe to you. <laughs> Driving there, pretty much just turn up the music. We're not talking. Just blare the speakers. We drive in, which she's driving, and I'm thinking, okay, I looked at the map. We have enough time with route planning to get to the marriage retreat on time, but I didn't share with her how much time we had to get there, so she's thinking we're going to be late. So she's stressed out thinking we're going to be late to the marriage retreat, and I'm thinking, I didn't want to get this food to go. I would rather have sat down and had a nice, peaceful meal before we get to this retreat, which is intense, <laughs> like sleeping in tents, no AC, and it's, it's like which three days of that. Which they advertised like glamping. They said it's going to be luxury tents. Well, they didn't say, what is the word they use? They didn't say luxury. They said high tech, right? The high tech high tents. High tech tents. High tech tents. Etc. Etc. Yada yada. We get there. We couldn't find anything high tech about it. The only thing we could see was there was an electrical lantern that was hanging. That's about it. No AC tent. You're basically sleeping on the ground. They took up our electronics as soon as we got there. Yep. No cell phones, so we couldn't communicate with each other. They had drones on us the moment we got in there, like, because we were the only. We, were, we got there so early. We we're the only people there. So it was just like. 20 staff and a drone following us and we're like not in good good <laughs> spirits not in spirits. agreement or anything i'm just like thinking about how she's reneging on marriage vows and we're just like walking like kind of separate from each other they're like here's your tent and so we go in get in the hot sweaty tent and how did the conversation go from there you know, I don't really remember how the conversation went from there, but I do remember that we both felt a little tired. So we decided we were going to take a nap. Uh, I remember Terrence falling asleep. And then I remember I realized that I needed to take uh, my medication. So when I got up to take it, I realized it wasn't with me. I realized I left it in the car. And I looked at Terrence because I realized I needed to tell him, hey, I'm going to go get it real quick. And when I said something to him, he flipped over on his side and pulled away. So I thought, okay, he still needs a little time. So I get out of the tent. I'm like, it's going to be real quick. I'm just going to run up, get it, run back. We were the first ones there. We're in spot number one. Well, when I get up there, everyone wants to talk to me. Hey, how's it going? I'm like, I got to get to the car. I finally make it to the car after people have touched base with me. And I kid you not, they had every single key from all of the couples. Because at that point, pretty much everyone was there in this huge sack 
they dump the sack on a table that was about twice as big as this, and they start digging through it, trying to find my keys. And again, I'm thinking, oh, I have to get back to Terrence. Like, I've been in situations before where he's woken up and I haven't been there. I know how this goes. I need to get back before he wakes up. Again, thinking it's going to be quick. I know it's been at least 15 minutes by then. Now I'm seeing all these keys, and I'm like, can I just start looking? They're like, no, no, ma'am, we're sorry. You can't. We'll find it for you. So I'm sitting there waiting. Um, they have another guy come and look, another person. There's like five people looking for our car keys. They finally find them. I grab them. I get them. At this point, I can hear that there are people gathering at the main center. And I'm thinking, no, it's starting. So I grab it. I run back to the tent. I rip it open. And Terrence is not in the tent. <laughs> During the time of napping, I was actually stewing. I was never actually asleep. <laughs> I was just feigning sleep because she can sleep anytime. Yeah, I love to sleep. But I was actually staring at her, like staring a hole at the side of her head while she was sleeping. Which made him more upset. Hoping that she yeah. was going to acknowledge me, make yeah. eye contact with me, tell asleep. me how amazing I am or something. I'm thinking that and because I'm still feeling all that tension from the not sharing potato salad. No mac and cheese. Which I haven't, I didn't even eat all of them. Funny thing. I was like, I don't even want these sides. Like, there's so much conflict. So they're sitting in the corner of the tent. And we both just keep, like, staring at them and then staring at each other. <laughs> yeah. So I'm staring a hole at the side of her head and hoping that she's going to realize what I'm going through over here, suffering. Like, let's, let's at least have a conversation and deal with this before the marriage retreat officially begins, mm -hmm. which they started off with a bunch of games, you know, balloon, water balloon toss competitions, mm -hmm. uh, rock, paper, scissors like with people, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and a tug of war. So she starts unzipping the tent to leave, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, now my wife is literally forsaking me. She's reneged on the marriage vows. Now she's forsaking me, abandoning me. And I'm getting even more irate. I'm getting more and more heated. So I'm like, this is, I'm thinking to myself, this is ridiculous. So I like turn over on my side you know, to turn my back to her. So I go from like staring at her to my back is to her. I pick up my Bible and I'm like holding it high so she can see I'm reading my Bible. It's like, hopefully she feels convicted. <laughs> I'm over here reading the scriptures, <laughs> and she's leaving. <laughs> so I am definitely heated. So she leaves, doesn't say where she's going. Which, I, when we, sorry to cut you off, but when we talked about it later, it's like, what do you usually do in a situation? You just text the person. You, like, leave them a note. You text them. We don't have our phones. We have no access to any sort of communication that we'd used before or that we're used to using. So that was something that, okay, keep going. Yes, tensions are high. Mm -hmm. I'm walking around. We hear that the rally is starting. They're giving out announcements. Everybody meet here, meet here, break up into teams to have a fun time. Well, we're not having a fun time. And finally, I see her. She's like walking through the trees among, and I've walked off to the farthest bathroom in the woods, all around the lake, everywhere. And finally, we come up to each other and she's walking rather quickly, rapidly to get up the hill to the main area where they've started the official opening ceremony. By this time, I've had it. 
And that's when I tell her. No, you, what did you say? <laughs> he said, you say it because you remember it. <laughs> so I see him coming and my thought was, okay, well, he'll make it to the main event eventually, right? So I see him and I'm like, okay, come on, Terrence. And Terrence is like, stop where you are. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I command you to stop. I command you to listen to me. I order you to obey me. And I'm like, okay, we've, I don't even know where we've crossed into, but like, I don't I have like, oh my gosh, I was not prepared for that. I'm taking command because this has gotten out of control. <laughs> I'm going to fix this situation. Yes. Yes. But she just keeps walking. Yeah, I said no. I, I just did not. Yeah. I said, you do not talk to me like that. This is not, I, don't, I kind of lost it. And then I walked off. So I walked to the top. She has this almost like a governor where if I am doing things that are not out of a good place, she, it doesn't register. She just, just bypasses it and keeps going. So I'm commanding her to stop. She's just walking. I'm like, well, she's not stopping. I guess I'm going too. So we just <laughs> walk together going, stomp, steaming. Stomp, and he's kicking stuff and stomping. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. there's probably smoke coming out of my head <laughs> at that point. So I purposely withheld myself from the tug of war because I didn't want to just start taking that emotion into some family atmosphere and just slaughtering people out there. <laughs> so he said later. I'll said, show you a tug of right. war. <laughs> Which I know. There's I'm a war between me and my wife. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we talked about too was it was so hard in that environment to even just find alone time. Like everyone wanted to come up and talk to us. Everyone wanted to be a part of what was going on with us, which they didn't know what was going on with us. They just saw new people, new friends and faces. And that's actually something that has kind of carried into our everyday life too. We've had so many times where we just need us time and you know, someone calls, someone texts, something's going on, which isn't trying to be a distraction, but can be. So we were thankful that we learned our lesson. We learned we need to take care of things as quickly as we can because we actually didn't have an opportunity to even kind of process or discuss what had happened until like 2 a.m. that day. That's when everything started to die down. Yeah, so that was the marriage retreat that actually, when we got out of the marriage retreat, we had to go seek a <laughs> special meeting with our quick reaction force, Pastor Bruce and Pastor Lee. <laughs> So we came straight from the marriage retreat, <laughs> straight to their house. We're like, we've got some issues here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Which, interestingly enough, the, uh, the talk we had with y'all was more helpful than the three-day retreat. It's true. And that, yeah. that talk was maybe like an hour. Yeah. It's true. So got to have, if you're going to enter into the challenge of marriage, you have to have people in your life that will rally around you, support you. And it's truly a realization that in order for me to fulfill the destiny God gave me, I, marriage is God's plan. Mm -hmm. For me to become who I need to become in order to handle such a heavy, such a large calling and such an important calling dealing with people, I have to go through the uh, the sandpaper, you know, the abrasion, the abrasion, the, the abrasion of rubbing off anything that is not of God. So the beautiful thing is that 
we have entered into the refining furnace, the kiln, where pure gold comes out and is produced while impurities are removed. Mm-hmm. So marriage does that, and I'm so glad to be in it with you. And the, the, the thing every day and many times when I don't deserve it, Megan actually shows me love. Like, if I've been rude, mean, inconsiderate, it's crazy because on the other side of me behaving badly, she's actually been planning something wonderful. Like, she went and bought a sign that says, I fall in love with you every day. And, like, she's coming to me with that, and I'm, I've been treating her in a way that doesn't deserve that love. So I've gotten to experience God's love already through being married to you. Thank you, Terry. So. And on that note, too, I, um, it's kind of funny, actually, my, we visited my family recently, and they were, my dad was recording me interacting with my brothers, which, besides Terrence, they're probably the people that trigger me the most, because they're twins, and they're young, my younger brothers, and they just make a lot of noise, and they're just boys, you know, family, um, and so I'm with him, and my dad's recording us, and I thought that I was being a little mean to them, so I apologized. And then I watched the recording, and then I was like, actually, I wasn't being mean to them, you know? Um, so my idea of how I can be sometimes isn't necessarily what's actually happening. So it really helps to have someone um, who can hold me accountable, who can give me feedback, um, who can lead me in the way I need to. Um, and I will say, too, that... There have been times in my life where I'd felt angry before and I'd felt hurt before, but I'd never felt it as deeply as before I started being with Terrence. When I was with Terrence, I was like, oh, there was a new level of anger that I'd never experienced before. Oh, there was a new level of words. I'm like, where are these words coming from my mouth? Why am I saying these things? Why am I acting like that? Um, But has given me the opportunity to choose Jesus more and more by choosing to love Terrence more and more every day and by being with him. And I don't want to cry, so I'm going to leave it at that. But I'm going to defer to Terrence. um, Do you want to do the question and answers or do you want to do the video? Real quick, one of the, for those of you uh, who are looking for something kind of a practical, something tangible to grab a hold on. Something that came out of that marriage retreat in our, in our Pastor Bruce and Pastor Lee meeting was making a, an agreement, like a contract as a married couple of what we are not going to do in our home. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we're, we're coming up on two years. What do we not want any longer as a part of our marriage? So we started off with what are three things that we really love about each other. So we start off encouraging each other, and then it's like, all right, what are three things that we do not want? It's like, okay, we do not want escalation. Like, we do not want arguments to escalate. Yeah, because that was one of the things that was happening is like escalation was happening in arguments. It was like, let's cut that out. Let's cut out. You know, it's it's like even if I might be hearing a lie about my spouse, let's just not vocalize the lie. But we agreed upon that. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty funny. I mean, like just like when you do something powerful, there's resistance. It's like, all right, boom, we've agreed upon this. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, um, shortly thereafter, we are like in an argument, 
and I'm remembering what we agreed upon, and I'm sitting here going, all right, we, we are not going to escalate this. We are not going to take this into accusations or lies, and we, you're going to encourage me. Three things. So it's like... But a little bit more intense than that. The intensity of our, you know, agreement, our contract that we, we came up with together. It's just funny how it comes out like, almost like, we're going to have fun now. Do you understand? You know? But th these are some of the funny experiences that don't feel funny at the time. Right. But make you into people. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, at this time, we're going to have a little Q&A. If anyone has a great question, you will be awarded with a box of cookie. All right, who's our first question? Three questions, three questions. All right. Um, just want to ask you guys, since you guys are part of this ministry, do you recognize each other's altars quickly? And then how do y'all deal with that? Great question. You get a box of cookies. <laughs> you can actually have more than one box if you like, because we have quite a few. Um, you got it first. All right. Um, so I actually started seeing Terrence's altars when we were just friends, which I hadn't had that happen with anyone else. So part of it for me was, okay, is this because um, I'm also becoming a part of this ministry, this church, um, as I'm getting to know Terrence? I met Terrence and maybe four or five days later, um, was my first time visiting. So it was around the same time meeting Terrence as I came to church in one accord. So as I am seeing these in Terrence, I'm thinking, oh, everyone else sees them too, you know? So it's, this isn't just me. I mean, it's got to be everyone else. And then over the months, I realized, no, actually, this is just me. Okay, so this is just me. Um, but I didn't really come to terms with that until we were dating. And as I came to know Terrence more, I started having a better understanding of how to minister to him, if that makes sense. So I could see um, what was going on in Terrence. I could see what was triggering Terrence, but I didn't actually start ministering to Terrence until we were dating. Um, that's about the time we both started ministering to each other and started walking that out. And does that answer your question? Was that the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Megan's really easy because she's so sensitive that I can tell the differences rather quickly. So if she's like, you know, feeling afraid or something, it's, it's real easy to just take that into, you know, okay, it's go into just like you're ministering and, oh yeah, it's a four-year-old altar that's afraid, right? So, She's really easy to minister to, and even, you know, in our dating, like, our dates would turn into, like, an hour and a half of inner healing and deliverance. Mm -hmm. So that was built in to the really, really early stages, mm -hmm. which I think really helped out, mm -hmm. you know. And with the knowledge, it also helps you know that it's like, okay, she just said something to me that's, uncharacteristic of what she would normally say 
So I need to put on my armor, like guard my mind and don't take it personal, put on ministry hat and be extremely compassionate, you know? Because if, if I don't do that, then it, it can turn into a real fight, you know? Like if you don't put on the ministry hat, which we've gotten to that before, like I get triggered, she gets triggered, neither one of us puts on a ministry hat. And then it's just like, you know, it gets nasty. <laughs> so you don't want that in the house. Once somebody's got to switch, you know, flip the switch and be like, all right, I'm going to take it supernatural now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So I yeah. think one thing I also really appreciate about Terrence, too, is that he's so persistent. So um, there would be times and probably still is. I can't think of anyone recently, but I mean, yeah, uh, that I'm like, no, no, I'm good. Or, you know, I'm fine. He's like, no, you're not fine. Sit in the chair. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm okay. And he's like, I can tell something's up. What's up? And he like, will not let off. And so I'm finally like, okay, yeah. Well, when you said this, he's like, that's what we're going after. And it doesn't matter if it's like super small to me or if it feels really big to me. Terrence is super dedicated and devoted in that aspect. And that's really what I need. Like that's been really helpful too for Terrence to um, go after that. And I know when we were first dating and when we were first married, it was really consistent. So we had to be really intentional to not just minister when something came up, but making sure that we were making time at least once a week for us to minister to each other and just kind of see like what was in there and like what we need to get after. Yeah. One thing that helped me was I had to realize that at all times she has my best interest at heart. So I had to realize that I can trust her with whatever emotion, whatever hard thing is going on and that she's not going to try to sabotage me but trust is, is really a key to being able to uh, move into that realm. You know, like if the trust is, is not there, it's like the foundation, the bottom just falls out and you get, it's just dangerous, you know. But if you have that trust there, I'm like, oh, I know the truth is she always has my best interest at heart, but she's also the one that triggers me. So she's the one that gets me, obviously it's not her, it's just the way that I think, uh, three, three or four days into marriage, uh, I was like a big, I had a big ministry session and it was, uh, and Pastor Bruce was like, who, who triggered Terrence? And Megan was like, I did. And he was like, good job. High five. <laughs> and she was like, what? Really? Okay. All right. This is great. <laughs> Clicking her heels. But yeah, you, it's, it's weird because the same person that ticks you off is the same person that you have to trust to minister as a co-laborer with Christ to, he to bring the healing. So it's like, oh, man, that's kind of, you know, how do you wrap your head around that? But that's what it is. I mean, that's, that's the uh, beauty of marriage. There was one time when I triggered Terrence while we were asleep. I'm still trying to figure that one out. But it was like 2 a.m. and I triggered him. So he turns all the lights on and it was like 2.30 a.m. And he's like fully up, ready to go. And I'm thinking my alarm clock is going to go off at 6 I had set, I'm so tired and I was just like, okay, like this is a choice. Like, am I going to, you know, turn the lights back off and go to bed or am I going to go after this? And I kept thinking, okay, Lord, please let this in. Please let this in. We went on for about three hours that night. So we didn't get to bed until maybe around like five, but it was worth it. 
you know, it was like a hundred percent worth it. And looking back, I can laugh now. Uh, but at the time I was like ministering to him and crying. Cause I'm like, this is the worst. Like I just want to be asleep right now. Um, but it's, I'm so thankful, you know, that that's the path God had us on because it's brought us here and this is where we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference between me and her is like, if I, if I'm triggered, I want help now. Like yeah. it's urgent. Everything is like hit the e-brake. We're stopped. We're canceling all plans. I need help right now, you know, but she's able to kind of like say, all right, we're going to schedule whenever. And I got this, 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 you know, for me, it's like urgency. Like let's, let's do it now. So mm-hmm. that was one of the differences we noticed. <laughs> Great, great question. Anyone else? Okay, my question is, how did both of you know that the other one was the one? Great question. Megan, do you want to answer that first? You want me to answer first? Or I can answer first. Okay. I, I mean, I don't mind, but it's funny. Yeah, for me, I was rather timid. I didn't trust my heart. I was interested when I first met Megan at a prayer rally in Washington, D.C. We were there seven nights of 24-7 prayer. I met her. I was interested in her, and I asked her a question like, hey, what is your life calling? That was in the first three sentences that I said to her. Mm -hmm. And she said that her life calling was to go into the darkest places rescuing people out of the stronghold of darkness, which is exactly verbatim what God had spoke to me was my life calling that God spoke to me when I was 19. So I'm like, ding, (coughs) noted. Ponder that in my heart. But even though God was setting it up, I was moving from Houston to Dallas that week. She was living in Dallas and was praying for God to send her community. Answer to prayer was here. I was the community. (laughs) Boom. But the moment that really solidified everything was when we were in a prayer meeting in Houston. I'd been asked to go minister some deliverance at a church over there. Um, And Megan came with me. In this prayer meeting, I'm hearing sounds of souls in hell crying out, why didn't you come and tell me that Jesus is real. Why didn't you? It's like, it's this really intense encounter I'm having. So I start to travail and let out anguishes and groanings that can't be uttered. As I'm groaning and wailing and travailing and having this supernatural encounter, Megan from across the room starts to also travail and have this deep cry from inside of her spirit. The Holy Spirit's moving through both of us at the same time. But when I heard that sound, It wasn't just natural. It was supernatural. I felt something deep inside of me. And then the Holy Spirit said, she is an extension of your heart. And that was the moment I knew, like, Holy Spirit confirmed to me that was my wife. And I was just like, I was just a huge moment. There were other confirmations that happened along the way, but that was like the solidifying in my spirit that it was her. Short, short, Short answer for me. 
for me, I will start off with, so there's a good practice you guys have probably heard of. People say that um, before you're dating someone, right? So if you're actually dating someone, your list might look like just that person. But if you're not dating anyone, um, just kind of putting together a list of values, you might be looking in for a potential spouse one day. Um, I never heard of that, nor did I go through that. I actually kind of had a list that the Lord gave me over the years. So as I was praying for Terrence, I was praying for my future husband, um, I had a list over the years of different attributes and qualities that God would just reveal to me about him and I would pray into up until I met Terrence. So I had a lot of indicators um, before I met him. I kind of had a feeling that uh, we would be good friends. I didn't really want to put too much thought into what it was going to look like being with Terrence. I even, you know, before we were heading to Washington, D.C., my closest friends were hanging out with Terrence, and they'd call me and be like, we're hanging out with Terrence again. I'm like, who is Terrence? Everyone keeps talking about them. And they're like, he's just like you, which I'd never heard that before in my life. I've never met anyone who is similar to me at all. And they'd be like, we feel like we're hanging out with you. He's just like you. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I meet Terrence, and I'm like, he is just like me. What is this? And so um, when I got to know him and we became good friends, um, I think for me, it wanted me to put up even more boundaries. So a lot of conversations I had with Terrence, when we were friends, um, we're with other people, it wasn't just me and him, but talking about boundaries. No, Terrence, you cannot hold my hand. No, Terrence, you cannot do that. What do you mean by this? What do you mean by that? And it was weird because we felt drawn to each other, but at the same time, um, we were learning what our season was, getting to know each other getting to serve here. Um, it was a really big surprise to me when Terrence did tell me he liked me. I actually thought it was an altar. Um, I didn't believe him. I was like, you don't like me. <laughs> he told me you don't like me, uh, which in my head, I thought he told me he didn't like me, but he told me that he didn't want to pursue me at the time. Right? That's what he said, which I don't remember that, but that's yeah, what he said. Yeah, because I, I was, I hadn't gotten the, the full green light yet. We were interested in each other. We were hanging out as friends. And then we we're like, okay, we were feeling drawn to each other. So naturally, she asked me, like, what are we, you know, like, determine the relationship where we're at. At that time, I knew that I wanted to go down that path, but I wasn't ready. I was like, hey, I'm the timeline that I had in my mind was I had 12 months of inner healing and deliverance to go through uh, before I was ready. Because I knew that she was untainted, pearl of greatest price. I didn't want to play around with that or mess around or get into just some dating thing if I wasn't going to go all the way. So... By the time I, I told her that I liked her, I was at 100%, and it was like, I'm ready to talk about how many kids we want to have, you know, that kind of stuff. And she's like in shock because a few months prior to that, she had asked me, and I was like, well, at this time, I can't put, I can't put my foot on the gas. Like, we're not going to move into dating. So I was trained back in... Uh, my upbringing to never like lead a girl on so my interpretation was I shouldn't tell her that I like her I should just say we're not going that direction so her interpretation of that was okay we're not going that way ever so she had she had a 
strong belief, which she's really strong when, she, when it comes to beliefs, that I was never going to pursue her. So when I did a few months later say that I liked her, she's like, oh, that's an altar. <laughs> <laughs> so it was interesting because when I thought without a doubt that Terrence was going to pursue me, he didn't. And when I thought without a doubt he wouldn't pursue me, he did. So whenever that came up and I thought it was an altar, I felt very confused. Um, I had an opportunity to submit to our spiritual mother and father, Pastor Bruce and Pastor Lee. And I dropped off Kate, who was living with them at the time. And as soon as I walked into the house, uh, Pastor Bruce looked at my face and said, what did Sonny do? He said, uh-oh, what did Sonny do? And I started crying because I was like, see, he could tell Terrence did something and Terrence's altars and blah, blah, blah. And so he said, okay, well, I'm going to get Pastor Lee. So I sat down with Pastor Bruce and Pastor Lee. And I was so happy because I was like, yes, I'm going to get a chance to tell my side. And then they're going to call Terrence and they're going to get on to him like they should because his altars are out of control and they're bringing <laughs> all this hurt and pain. Um, and Pastor Lee looked at me and said, hey, we actually um, don't want to talk to you about Terrence. We want to talk to you about you. And I was like, more shock. I'm nothing but shock. Um, I said, me? I said, why do you want to talk about me? And she said, with so much wisdom, she said, because this actually isn't about Terrence. This is about you. What are you feeling for Terrence? And I absolutely did not want to think about this, nor is it expecting it. And so the question that she asked me that really helped was, well, if you don't want to think about how you feel about Terrence, what has God told you? What has God told you? What is God saying about this? And when she said that, I knew even if I didn't feel like I could say yes to Terrence, I knew I could say yes to God. And I knew this was from God because of how many years I've been following him and everything he'd said. So I had an opportunity to call Terrence and tell him um, that I did want to move forward in dating. And then he told me he wanted to marry me and that he wanted to have 10 kids. Amen. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> More shock. Okay, I would like for you guys mm -hmm. to list three things apiece that you do after you know you've done something wrong to the other. Mm -hmm. Three things that you would do. That, that you do. Three things I do. It's funny because I actually feel like I can do your things better than I can do mine. Um, well, I feel like for me, um, apologize. So I'm like, I want to apologize. I want to recognize what I did wrong and repent and apologize for that. I try to make sure that she apologizes. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> then I hold up the contract and make sure she encourages me three times. <laughs> um, I want to apologize. Um, I want to hear his side rather than give my side. For whatever reason, when something happens, I feel like I need to share my side and immediately defend myself. And I'm like, no, no, I need to just apologize and then listen to what he has to say um, and what he wants to say in that moment, his side, and then connecting with him. Um, so I usually make it a point to, which he actually usually jumps the gun and he usually does this before me, um, but doing something meaningful together, connecting. Um, so be that, going on a date, my love language is quality time, so spending time together, um, doing something intentional that just kind of deepens our relationship. Yeah, one of the things that Megan does is, 
if I'm in a bad way, she'll send up a flare. So one time I was sick physically, but I was also emotionally jacked up. So she shot up a flare, sent out a text uh, to, I think, Pastor Lee, and just was like, hey, or Pastor Bruce and Pastor Lee, and, and asked if they could, you know, pray for me or give me a call. So having that accountability and having people that can help in a time of need, that's one of the keys. If it's, if it's that bad, that's not like an every day, but if it's, if it's more severe, that's one of the methods that we use, um, having, having our spiritual parents and then uh, apologizing. Like um, one thing I noticed is if, if it's that time, the more sensitive emotional time of the month, that Megan has, I try now, instead of making her do squat jumps, I try to, like, be more, uh, I try to pour honey on her, basically, like, get more flowers, more compliments, more encouragements, because sen because she's sensitive, it's going to hit deep. So whatever I do, she receives extremely. Like, she, ex she really is the best at receiving out of anyone I've ever seen. So I try to focus on that. And then, of course, repenting, apologizing, and if I need to call, you know, calling somebody else and having that process as well. As well as getting to that point of sometimes where, like, by the time we talk it out, we're holding each other, we're both crying, we're, we're feeling like, okay, true acceptance, but we hurt each other. So that hurts, but now we're reconciled. That feels even sweeter, you know? So sometimes like a, a ministry session will go from like what you would typically do in a ministry session to dealing with the actual heart of your spouse, like uh, the real soul, the core person. It's not always an altar. It's like, you actually got to love the real person too. And it's not always like, I'm going to get that out of you. You know, it's like, oh, that is you. Okay. Oh. It just happened. <laughs> That's an interesting like, experience. It's not an altar. It's me. Look at it. It's me. It's your wife. No, it's not you. I'm talking to you. <laughs> yes, it's exciting. Well, thank you all so much. Uh, this time we're going to pass it off. So my question is, what was it like the first time y'all ministered together, and how have you seen each other grow? Great question. What was it like the first time we ministered together? When was the first time we ministered together? That was the, well, that was after Columbia. Because um, that's what, was Columbia the first time? Because we had been ministering together um, in the back rooms here. So we'd been serving, it wasn't just us. Um, but we'd been serving here. We'd been ministering here. But I think the first time we really got to see each other in action was when we went on a mission trip with Church in One Accord to Columbia. Um, because I felt like when we were doing that, I mean, there's just hundreds and hundreds of people, and they're all pulling on you. And Hallelujah. And so um, we got a chance to really see each other's gifts um, and get to see how we operated when we did that, too. 
Yeah, first time seeing Megan in action in Columbia on the mission field. She was, I saw her going up, giving a hug to some lady, I guess she had ministered to, and four ladies fell out behind that lady. And I was just like very keenly observing, you know, because at that time we were just friends. But then she came with me to help me out in Houston and uh, the way that it worked, since it was like a Western, Western church congregation, we, we did it like optional. If you want deliverance, come into the other room. And it was like after preaching. So in the room, probably about as many people as are here tonight, maybe a little bit more. But she was, she started with the inner healing component. So she was very she was picking up on like the emotional turmoil and pain in the room. So she was leading people through forgiveness, inner healing. And then I was coming in on the deliverance side. So we were working together like that. And she would see things like she would say like this person, I see over their head, like this black cloud of witchcraft or something. And I'd be like, done, I'm getting after it. You know, like that's kind of how we worked as a team uh, very early on. And then I guess how we've grown since then. I mean, it's definitely helps when you're like, cause when we were doing that, we weren't dating. So I'm like, Oh, I want to do this, but I need boundaries. And Oh, I feel called to do this, but I can't, you know, because we're not dating. And, and, you know, people are like, Hey, Terrence is here. And this random girl showed up. What's the relationship? I'm like, none, no relationship. Like I'm here for Jesus. And so helps to be married, helps to be dating. You know, now we can actually move together. And I'm not like on the very, as far away on the path as I can get, but I will say, um, it helps honestly just getting in the secret place together. So I feel like the times that I've seen Terrence grow the most and we've grown together is when it's just us and we're at our prayer room at our house or, you know, we're in the car and we're worshiping God, we're praying together, um, we're seeking God together because then we're able to share the revelation we've received during those encounters with the Lord together. We're getting to elaborate and, you know, I just heard God say this. I heard him say that too. Great, that's what we're going after. So then when we do get an opportunity to step out, um, doing things like this, then we actually get to see the growth that God has brought um, together. For me, um, it's almost like I can see where we've grown if I'm looking from where we're dating to now, but on a daily basis, we spend so much time together, we're together so much that it's a little bit harder um, to navigate what growth looks like on more of a daily basis. I will say being in a secret place with Terrence is where I've experienced and seen the most growth. And that was also hard for me because I am like, secret place, presence driven. And so having someone in the same place as me was really hard. Like I was like, nobody gets to come into the secret place, but me and Jesus. And then Terrence pops up and Terrence is vibrant. And, um, y'all know Terrence, right? I'm like, ah, get out of my secret place. But, um, now it's like, okay, we're doing this and this is awesome. And that has been really encouraging for me um, because kind of going back to what I said at the beginning, it was really natural. So it didn't feel like here's a stranger, get out. It felt like, oh, this actually is richer and it's deeper because there's more to see with Terrence than if it's just me. Yeah. So Megan is my favorite ministry partner for sure. Is extremely way easier for me. So uh, yesterday we were ministering 
or recently we were ministering. I'm trying to make it more vague yeah. so nobody's like, who were they ministering to? You know what I mean? Extra curious. So uh, there was like, you know, pages and pages of notes of stuff to be dealt with. And she was just, oh, this grouping is this. These are the same altars. This one here is this. This one's fallen. This one. All right, here you go. And I was like, oh, this is easy candy. You know, so it was like so easy because she was using her giftings to just see what needed to happen. And then that gave me uh, more enjoyment. And the cool thing is while we're ministering together, we both laugh at the same things. We both get like emotional about the same things. And it's like a journey together, getting to experience how amazing Jesus is together, which who wouldn't want to do that, you know, with, with your best friend. Yep. That's all we have for you, Hopes. Now we're going to pass it off to ask if Pastor Bruce wants to share a piece of cake. Okay, well, why don't, we, um, why don't we stand and then we'll and close, okay? All right, well, uh, wow, that was nice. Okay, uh, so this is how we're going to close. We're going to do some deep knee bends. I'm just, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but explode. <laughs> all right well father we just thank you for marriage we just thank you for a marriage covenant and lord we thank you for the power that's in the marriage covenant um, lord you created marriage and you created power inside that marriage and lord i'm praying that not only will marriage be awakened in the world again but the power of that marriage, that there would be uh, supernatural encounters uh, continually through that covenant as you designed it. Uh, so, Father, just we thank you for marriage. We give you the, the glory and honor and open doors to awaken people to the true reality of husband and wife. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, I guess, I guess we're going to have cake in the back, so uh, there it is. Have at it. <laughs>